Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. All right, so in the, in the set free, there's something I often say in the set free, and I, I actually start the whole, because we want to do a lot of teaching, and then we do practices, right? If, if you've been to the set free, if you haven't, you should come and join us on the next one. But for, for most of you, I know many of you have been to one already, that's how we do it. And what I always say when we start is, I'm going to assume a lot of doctrines and beliefs. So I'm going to assume that we all believe this, and I'm just going to, you know, lay a bit of a foundation and, and then move into practices, uh, one of the things that I really felt pressed on in this Knowing God series was to not do that. And we're going to be looking at a lot of the basic things because knowing God, like I said, is, is, is the foundation of our faith. So the foundation of our faith is built on knowing God. So because of that, as we're going to look at knowing God, there are a lot of basic things and there are basic things to Christianity that we are going to be looking at. And I felt it's really important that we stop and pause to make sure that we get the right beliefs and doctrines and that we have the right practices that follow uh, from there. So some of this may seem like review for some of you, but I wanted it to be, and I want this whole series to be accessible for anybody. So that regardless of where we're at, we're going to be able to take it in and say, Lord, what do you want to say to me? What is, what, what is the area you want to grow in my life, in my heart? All right. Um, so moving forward, let's, uh, let's tackle the first piece here. Knowing about God uh, to knowing God. Uh, last week I talked just a little bit about, we used the Matthew 7 passage where, <laughs> many of you will remember it, um, on, on that day, Jesus says, many will say, Lord, Lord, I prophesied your name, I, I cast out demons in your name, and I performed many mighty miracles in your name. And then Jesus says, and then I will say to you, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And that has been a, a scary passage for many people over the years. And in fact, it's been a sobering one for myself as well. And what we had said last week was that, like, what he was addressing there is, it's not just enough to know about God and to do good works, right? You can know about him, call him Lord, believe he exists, and, you know, even do good works. It was about knowing him and being clothed with Christ's righteousness. But uh, I wanted to, uh, to, to go back here because I think sometimes we get shaken by a thought like that. Like, how could that happen? Like, is it possible, you know, that we start off on the right foundation and then we kind of walk away from the, the right foundation? Or did we just never land on the right foundation in the first place? And so I wanted to make sure that, that our understanding is correctly, that we know how to move forward. Uh, so that we're not shaken in our faith because we shouldn't necessarily be sitting here feeling guilt and condemnation about our faith all the time, wondering, am I saved? Am I not saved? Do I love God? Do I not love God? Do I know him? Do I not know God? I, I really think we have to remember it starts uh, the simplicity. God is not, he has not made this so hard that it's impossible for people to find him. In fact, he's made it so simple that even a child uh, can do it. And I think about this, someone who wants to know God, and I'll give you a quick uh, short testimony because it's not in here. Um, and I don't want to lose my notes, but my wife, uh, she's from Wales. Hi, honey. Anyhow, she's from Wales, and I think she would have been five or six, but when she discovered, or when she was told, that Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny weren't real. And she didn't come from a believing family, and she tells of this, of this prayer that she had, because here she'd been, you know, you're young, and you like the Easter Bunny, and you have Santa, and you have Jesus, and they, were, they would hear about Bible stories in school. And then she was wondering, I mean, if Santa isn't real, if the Easter Bunny isn't real, then maybe Jesus isn't real as well. And as a, just a young little girl, she prays a prayer and says, Jesus, if you're real, 
would you show yourself to me? Would you reveal yourself to me? And the simplicity of that prayer. So what happened? Did the, did the earth split open and a figure rise? No, no, that didn't happen. Uh, but, but, you know, six years later or seven years later, uh, her parents decide to move all the way from Wales all the way over to, to Canada. Not just Canada, but Jeru, Manitoba. Uh, talk about just the opposites of where they were from to where they went to. You wonder, how does one decide to go from Wales with the beauty and the history to Jeru? I don't know. But, uh, but they did. <laughs> I would say it's God. And then she meets this guy, or ends up meeting this guy. I'm, I'm kind of fast-tracking this here. She meets a guy, ends up being a drug dealer, terrible thing. And I'm not giving my whole testimony now. That's me. Um, and it looks like it's going from bad to worse, right? But then Jesus steps in and rescues both of us. And you see the fulfillment of that little prayer. He doesn't forget a single prayer that, you, that you've prayed. And my, my hope and encouragement to you is on this journey, well, what if I get it wrong? Just pray and ask Jesus, Jesus, I want to know you more. You know what? I can guarantee, like this is what we know. He answers prayer. Amen? He answers prayer. You know what I love though? Don't you love the, the guaranteed prayers? If he says he's inviting you into a relationship because he wants to know you and for you to be fully known by him, that's one of those prayers. It's like a gimme prayer. He wants to answer that prayer but sometimes he will wait for us to ask. So that's the first thing I just want you to, to be really clear on. Ask him. If you're wanting to grow, ask him. Jesus, I feel weak in this area. Would you help me grow to know you more? He will move families from one continent to another. He will move heaven and earth to answer those prayers so that you can know him. That's the God we serve. But I wanted to point because it's some, that's, that's going from, from nothing to something. But what about, you know, sometimes what happens in our faith where it seems like we can start up on the right foot and then end up on the wrong foot. So I thought I would give an example here uh, for marriage. I looked at this, this uh, stat. It's not really a stat, but I was looking up. I got into a conversation uh, about empty nest. They call it empty nest divorce. And so I was looking up, what is this whole thing on empty nest divorce? And what they have found is the percentages, and they've tripled since 1996 or something like that. Anyhow, the numbers. But the, the, the rate of empty nester divorce is increasing at a dramatic uh, or drastic pace. Now, what is empty nest divorce? And it is couples who raise kids together. They're married. They raise kids together. And then after their kids move out, they divorce. And what they found is, sadly, so many couples end their relationship with bitterness. And I'm just reading this from the article. The sad fact is, however, that, that having been together for many years, lots of couples separate or get divorced when the children leave the home. They realize they have nothing left in common and have only stayed together for their children's sake. Many didn't even realize how far apart they became until the children had left. The heartache then comes for all the family. There may be a house sale moving on, no family home left for the older children to visit. All the memories of home have gone. This is one of the occasions where grief is likely to set in. Now, what am I getting at with here? And I, I want to give us the warning on how we can set ourselves up. Because, like I said, that example with my wife is when you're going from not knowing him at all to going to knowing him, but what about for the rest of us who feel like we've been on that journey and how can we make sure that this doesn't happen to us? Not just in marriage, obviously, but also in our relationship with God because we see people. You see it on TV. Those that were, they started off on fire for the Lord. They started off going in the right direction and somewhere along the, along the road, they veered off. And I think what we have to remember is busyness and living in the same household isn't enough to keep a relationship alive. 
You might say, what does that look like? And I'm talking about marriage specifically, but busyness, doing great things. And that's the Pharisees doing, like doing works and kind of checking off the boxes and, you know, going to church isn't enough to keep a relationship alive. It actually requires time, communication, and experiencing life together. And there's more to it than that because what you do with that time, (laughs) communication, and experience is important. But those three components are absolutely necessary Sadly, many Christians approach their relationship with God in much the same manner. So they make a covenant, which is good. Then they stay busy, live in the same house, that sort of thing. They, they check off some boxes, but they might just be living for themselves or, or getting consumed. And they never stop to wait on the Lord to truly meet him and discover who he is. And that's the point. I think this verse here, our culture needs to learn. Not just as a memory verse, but actually needs to learn what it means to be still and know that I am God. There is something to the stillness, and this is not just true with our relationship with God, but even with those couples that, you know, the empty nest divorce, because the busyness consumes their time, they never, they never stop to stay connected, to, to invest into each other's lives, to invest into that relationship, and that's when you end up in trouble, and that's why it's so important. And so I would urge us as believers, as we go forward even in this series, to really address the foundation. Uh, you know, I think of that marriage seminar that Martin and Andrea are going to be doing. Uh, but, but w- like, what is that? That's an investment into a relationship. And what you'll find is relationships that work, marriages that work, invest into each other. They invest into each other. There's an investment of time and communication and life spent together, doing things together and experiencing things together. And our relationship with God is no different and so that's what we're going to, we're going to be focusing a lot on these kind of components, but as we move forward, uh, but this is going to require time, right? This time in the word and prayer, and I'm not saying all of our time, right? Right, right away, as soon as we say time, it's not, you know, 24 hours a day, but we're actually supposed to, wholehearted Christianity means we live our entire day and our, our entire lives for our Savior, but we do need time set aside in the word and prayer if we're going to get to know him uh, in a way that changes us, right? So we need that. But you also need communication, two-way, through the word and prayer. We need to be able to learn about God. We need to be able to pray to him, bring our requests to him, bring our hurts to him, uh, bring our, you know, we need to be able to praise him, but then we also need to be able to receive from him fresh words for today, and we need to receive direction from him and encouragement. He brings life to our souls. And then lastly, experiencing God. Uh, this is largely taken actually as we take steps of faith. I, I think this is probably the missing component that many people uh, uh, miss out on when they want fresh experiences with God, right? I want an experience with God. I want that like, you know, someone, they share that testimony of something God did in their life. And what we often don't realize is many of those, no, I'm not saying all because I've had experiences with God where I've just been, you know, in a dark spot or in a, in a difficult situation where he just meets with me at my uh, dinner table in the mornings when I'm doing my devotions. And those are wonderful experiences too. But there's these other experiences that come from stepping out in faith and following him in obedience. And you see God show up. And you take a faith step in your business or in your marriage or in a relationship or in public. And you see him show up and you have this fresh experience with him that draws you near to him and excites your faith. Uh, All three of these are important and require, they're, they're required components if we're going to move from knowing just about God to knowing God. And that last one, again, 
That's, that's, you know, it's, it's, there's lots of different language we can use. Do not be just a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. And that's that part. That's where the experience with God kind of uh, begins to fill in. But before we go any further, uh, why don't we just do a quick practice? Uh, because I think that time one, I actually want to spend more time on the communication. Um, because I think that's where the rest of this message is going to sit. How do we communicate with God? We're going to go back to the basics. We're probably going to spend next week there as well. But first, because the time in the word and prayer is so critical. Now, I know many of you will already have this time carved out. Uh, I have my time carved out. It's pretty much the same every day. I wake up at 6 and spend an hour or so with the Lord in in the word and prayer, and sometimes a little earlier depending on my day. But you're going to have your own thing, and it might not be every day, or you might be at a three a day so far, kind of moving forward. Wherever we're at, though, what's important, just like in marriage, if you're going to have a marriage that doesn't turn into strangers living in the same house, roommates, you're going to have to carve out time to pour into each other, to communicate, to hear each other's heart, and so on and so forth. And so let's do that right now. So if you have your journal here, this would be a time to pull that out. And maybe you just want to remember it or do it on your phone, that's fine. So we want to set time to seek, find, know, love, and obey. Now again, like I said, just a couple of caveats here. You may already have your time set. That's great. Don't worry about it. This is more for those who don't, right? Who feel like they're, they're wanting to go on this journey of knowing God more, but they don't know where to start. The first place to start is we set aside time to meet with the Lord. And that's going to look different. So maybe right now you're, you have no times a day. Well, you could try starting with three times a week. Uh, or you have no times a week, maybe you start with three times a week, and you start with 15 to 20 minutes, and then you move from there, right? Just like uh, with relationships, when you're going to learn communication, uh, once you have a really good relationship, you can talk for hours. But with someone that you've just met, or you're growing a relationship, it might be awkward to talk for hours, so you maybe start with shorter conversations, and you get to know each other. But the point is, we need to invest that time. So, Lord, I just pray right now that Wherever we're at in the time that we're setting aside for you, uh, Lord, would you either encourage us with the steps we're already taking, or Lord, maybe there's a step, maybe there's something, there's a piece of time you want us to carve out to spend more time with you this next week. then we'll just move forward. I just, sometimes we go through these, uh, sometimes you go through the messages so fast and you think, oh, I, I got to do that later. And if, if we just give you a little bit of time now, then we can just do it together. And then it's kind of fun that way. So I have my step that I'm going to be taking. I already did it when I wrote it out. <laughs> so I didn't write a new step here, thankfully. But uh, remember, the whole point in this is one step at a time. And if I could ever give you an encouragement, uh, people ask me, how do I grow a healthy devotional life? And, or, or that healthy waiting time or that devotional life or whatever. But how do I take steps forward? And my encouragement is one step at a time. Uh, some people are able to take, you know, learn something new and just make drastic changes in their life. Something that I've learned, at least for myself, and, and I think I, I relate to a lot of people on this, most of us can't do it. If you make too big of a goal, it just ends in failure and then you give up. I have found it's far better for me anyways to just look at one small step. What's one small step uh, that I can take in moving forward? And that's kind of how I approach uh, my walk with God. That's how I approach actually most things in life that I'm trying to change. 
So I hope that encourages you. All right. So if uh, the next one I want to focus on, and that's where we're going to park today, and that is communication. The importance of communication, two-way communication through the word and prayer. And, and so to, to begin there, I want to firmly answer a question because this is a question that, has, uh, that still is being asked. I mean, we've, I'll just say what the question is and then I'll go from there. The question is, does God still speak, right? So this is a very, very important question and it's a foundational question. And if you're not certain on the answer to this, then you'll find it's very hard to invest that time in, in listening to what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to you. So it's very important for us to be able to answer this and answer it confidently because relationships require that two-way communication. And, I, and, and so, you know, think of it like this. I, I was talking to my, my daughter, Kenny, yesterday to make sure she's okay if I use the example. But uh, she's a massive Bob Ross fan. I don't know if that's a thing going around for the younger culture, but... Like, I looked into him just a little bit. It's weird, right? Uh, he's got a big, he's got cool hair though, I'll give him that. And he does painting and I, I, basically if I get my daughter Bob Ross anything, like it's a win. It's a win in the books for dad, right? So I do. When I see Bob Ross, see a Bob Ross game, I got her a Bob Ross painting game and the game is lame, but, but I enjoy playing it with her. I enjoy it with you, Kenna. Hi. Anyways, point is, if you would ask her things about Bob Ross, she'd be able to answer a whole bunch of questions about him. She would. She knows a lot about, he's very good at art. He has some shows, apparently, that he teaches people how to paint. Um, so he seems to be good at what he does. I think he's also had multiple marriages. There's some things in there. Anyhow, point is, my daughter could tell you a lot about Bob Ross. But you know, the thing is, when, my, when Kiana has, you know, an issue in life, or she has a rough day, you know, I've never seen her call out to Bob Ross for a source of strength. Never. Never. So even though she loves Bob Ross, get her a Bob Ross keychain, she loves it. Get her a Bob Ross game, she loves it. A Bob Ross show, she'll watch it. Right? I'm sure she'd wear a t-shirt. The point is, though, the interesting thing, you'd think with all of that love for Bob Ross, when you'd have a hard day, certainly Bob Ross would be a source of strength. And yet never have I seen her talk about Bob Ross in her time of need. Why is that? Because knowing about Bob Ross is very different than knowing Bob Ross. And I don't even know if knowing Bob Ross would have been a good thing. In fact, I'm not even sure he's alive. That doesn't, that doesn't matter for the picture. Just follow me on the picture anyhow. <laughs> so if she was going to go from knowing about Bob Ross to knowing Bob Ross, what would she have to do? Yeah, communicate with him. She'd have to meet him. They would have to spend time together. They would have to communicate. I don't want that to happen, but they would have to communicate. They would have to experience things together. And it would be that process not just reading about him, not just seeing him on TV, but it would be that process of experiencing life together that would actually grow a relationship. And this is very important because these are the key components that go into knowing about someone to going where you know someone. And you might say, well, how do you know once you know someone? Right? Like, how do I know? Because we all know differently. We're all different relationally. And some are more emotional. Some are less emotional. Some are more feely or thinky. Or there's all these things going into it. So how do you know? And I, one of the best ways, I think, to know is, do you know how someone is going, like, do you know their heart? Do you know how they're going to respond or react in various situations? Do you know what they like? Do you know what drives them, their motivations in life? See, these are the kinds of questions that are hard to answer from a distance. 
right? You don't know exactly what the Bob Ross, right? How is he going to react in this situation? Or how would he respond to this? Well, I'm not sure. You'd have to ask him. See, but once you get to know someone, the more you know them, the more your confidence grows in answering those questions. And I, I would say that for my, for my wife, for my kids, for a lot of my close friends, I could answer those questions with a, with a high level of certainty because I know them. We spend time together. And so you know those things. And, and that's really what we're, we're striving for in our relationship with God as well. But in order for that to happen, we have to have two-way communication. So that's why it's important that we address this, does God still speak today? So um, let's start with some verses. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by, what is that? The word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible, right? So that's Hebrews. Then we go to the Old Testament, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now what's my point in this? God created the heavens and the earth, and how did he do it? By speaking. What I find really fascinating about this is, is this. There was no people around yet. So sometimes we think speaking is just like a human thing, but remember, we're created in his image. So God, who created everything, created it by his voice, through speaking. So God has been speaking even before creation. I would assume that's what that means. For sure, he started speaking at creation even before we were here and he was communicating with us. He was speaking things into being. And this shouldn't be surprising. I mean, think about this. We are made in whose image? We're made in his image. And one of the things that separates humans from the rest of animal kingdom is that we have language, a very complex language and ways of communicating with each other and learning and growing. And we are made in his image. 34 times in Genesis alone you see God said. I was looking through a mic and cordons and trying to find out, you know, thus saith the Lord, God said, different variations of that. And you can find somewhere around the, the ballpark of 2,000 times uh, of God speaking in the Old Testament and in the Bible. I mean, think about this, right? The Bible is in fact what? The very word of God. Now, what's my point? Because I'm asking, does he still speak today? And so far what I'm focusing on is, did he speak before? <laughs> but I think sometimes, if we're going to answer this question over here, does God still speak today? We've got to start by looking at, well, is it in God's nature to speak at all? And I would, I would say very strongly that it is in God's nature to speak. He's been speaking since the beginning of time. And, and sometimes I think, you know, in, instead of just starting over here and saying, well, does God still speak today? I'm not sure. We should actually look at the past. He has always been speaking. We have many examples of him speaking throughout the, throughout the scriptures, uh, both to, to the angels, to the devil, and to his people. You know, if you take out all of the stories from Genesis to Revelations where God was speaking to his people, have you ever wondered how much of your Bible would be left? Actually, think about how many times in the Old Testament and New Testament where people were receiving revelation or saying God said or they were having a conversation. Or they were writing down revelation that was coming from God. Now, I'm not saying that anything we would hear today is the same as what was heard in Scripture. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying God, there's, there is a whole host of evidence to show that God has been speaking since the beginning of time. Right? We find examples in Scripture of him speaking in dreams and visions, audible words, still small voice, animals, speaking through animals, he did that, uh, thoughts, words of wisdom, knowledge, prophecy, 
Literally, think about this. If you took out all of the conversations that God had with people, right? I mean, think Adam and Eve, Moses, Abraham and Sarah, Noah, Job, Jacob, David, Solomon, Elijah, Isaiah, Jonah, Hosea, Zechariah, the apostles, James, right? James, John, Peter, Paul. Like, so much of what we have and what we know is based on the Word of God. Now, I want to pause here because this is where I'm going to make a bit of a shift. Like I said, does God still speak today? Because if growing, going from knowing about God to knowing God requires communication, the real important question isn't just has he spoke before, it's does he still speak today? Now, if you look at uh, cessationists, they would believe that, and, and there's others that aren't cessationists, but kind of are leaning towards that, uh, that way of thinking. What they believe is this. Since the Bible was created, so once we had the full canon of Scripture, God no longer needed to speak, and we no longer, no longer needed to hear his voice. And the question I have to that is why? But that's, what, that's kind of the prevailing thinking. People can accept, and a, and a cessationist would accept, yes, we believe that God spoke, but once we had the, the official canon of Scripture, God no longer needed to speak. And my, my response to that is why? Now, I was looking into this, and the reason is given that the Bible gave us all that we need to know about salvation and sanctification. That's one of their strong points. The Bible shows us the way to God, the way to salvation, the way to sanctification. And to that, I will say, amen. The Bible does show that. But going from knowing about God and knowing things about him to knowing him is so much more than knowing the right way to him. We actually have to be able to communicate to him. We have to hear from him. And there's other revelation that is needed. And, you know, some will say, well, if God continues to speak, are you saying that, you know, if he would speak now today, that's like rewriting scripture? And to that I would say, no, it's an absolutely different kind of revelation. So the Bible, and this is what I love about God, a God who has been speaking since the beginning of time, a God whose desire is to know you and to know me. Right? So throughout Scripture, he's always speaking to his people. He's leading them. He's guiding them. And now we have this canon of Scripture. And it doesn't replace now the need for us to hear God's voice, but it actually gave us a plumb line so that we could be certain on what we're hearing. Now everything we're hearing in prayer, everything we're hearing in other ways, can be weighed against the sufficiency of Scripture so that we can have confidence in what we're hearing. I see the canon of Scripture as actually bolstering our ability to hear God, not replacing it. It's making it stronger for us. Right? Since we know that God remains unchanging, we should start with an assumption that God still speaks. You know, when you look for a passage or a scripture, where does it say that God no longer will speak to his people? You're not going to find it. What you'll find is many scriptures that say things like, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And we'll find many examples of God giving uh, revelation to different people in different areas, directing and guiding their lives. James says if we need wisdom, if we want to know what God wants us to do, that we can ask him and he'll gladly tell us. So this is very, very important to me. Besides, Scripture actually states that we can't even understand the Bible apart from the Holy Spirit. And this was the whole point with the Pharisees. They had the Old Testament already. 
They had the Old Testament scriptures. They had the scriptures, and yet they missed the whole point. And this is part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, is to reveal God's truth to us in our inner being. It's hearing God. Romans 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we're, we're to be transformed by the renewal of our mind that by testing we can discern. I believe that's a huge part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit that God promised to send to us. Is the ministry of the Holy Spirit is speaking to us in that still small voice to help us discern what is the will of God. We need to be able to hear him for this to take place. Besides, Scripture teaches that the author of the Bible, the Holy Spirit, is the only reliable interpreter of his word. John 14, 26, the helper of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now think about that. Bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. That's what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Now, he may bring to remembrance something in Scripture. Yeah, absolutely. But what is he doing that through? Bringing to your remembrance. Your remembrance, that would be your thoughts. Would that be thoughts? I mean, that sounds like thoughts to me. He's bringing it to my remembrance, all that Jesus has said. And that's what Jesus himself said, one of the main roles of the Holy Spirit was the ministry of the Holy Spirit to us. It was a gift given to us. It was better that he left, that he ascended. It was better because then he was going to send the Holy Spirit who would lead and guide us into truth. That's a big part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and that's very important to us. The church is easily deceived in this because our culture often likes to worship intelligence and education. And yet Paul said God chooses the foolish to confound the wise. Uh, Christian scholarship is very important. It's very important. I love learning and I love reading books. But it's not nearly as important as we oft often think it is. We need the Holy Spirit to minister truth to us. And you know what I love about that? With the Holy Spirit doing the ministry, it's accessible to everyone. It's accessible to everyone. He is available to all who believe, to all who call upon the name of Jesus. And that's very, very important to us, right? In God's wisdom, he actually designed it so that kingdom truths cannot be fully comprehended without divine assistance. That's hearing God. That's what it means. So that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. That's what hearing God is. It's part of it. We're going to look at more ways that we can hear God throughout the next bunch of weeks. And we're also going to look at how we can be sure. How can we know that what we're hearing is accurate? And how can we avoid some of the pitfalls and abuses that have come from hearing God? But we're answering the question right now, does he still speak? And I would say, yes, he does still speak. Look at this, Luke 10, 21. In the same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. I love that. He has hidden these things. Jesus would speak in parables. And everyone, you could have a whole group of people hearing the exact same parable, and yet only some would understand it. Why? Because the kingdom truths weren't able to be penetrated by the human intellect alone. And I'm not saying intellect is bad. We should learn. Study to show yourselves approved. It's very, very good. It is good to understand right doctrine and right beliefs. And I'm not going to pull away from that because we need to know more about who God is. Because that helps actually filter what we're hearing. And we'll spend more time on that in a, in a later week. 
But the point is, you had people even in, in the Bible times that were hearing the same stories and they couldn't penetrate them with human intellect alone. It was the hearts that were soft and that were listening to the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that would reveal the truths to them. And that's a very important understanding for us to have. Uh, you know, when I first gave my life to Christ, uh, August 27, 2004, uh, one of the things, I mean, there was lots of things, uh, but I was very uh, energetic and passionate. Well, I, I still am, but I was out of control. I was going to say I was out of control, and then I thought, well, I still am a little bit out of control. Anyhow, let's just go back. So a long time ago anyways, <laughs> in a galaxy far, far away. No, but when I first gave my life to Christ, I could not put my Bible down. And I still, I still, I love my time in the Word. It is so precious. But I, I started off that way in my faith. And yeah, I've gone through seasons where it was, you know, my devotions were dry and I've, where they were patchy in, in number and where they've been really good. But point is, when I started, I started with a five-day-a-week habit. I was just chewing up the Word. And basically, I started these reading plans. I loved them off a of version. I think it was back then too. And I was reading through the Bible one and a half times per year. I just kept going through it for the first bunch of years that I followed the Lord. And... You should see, I gave my first Bible away to my son, but there's so many things written in the margins. Because I'd be going through there, I remember sitting there at 24 First Street, and I'd be looking at a passage, and I'm like, hey, what does this mean? And I'm questioning this, and then I'm writing, well, what about this verse? And I'm cross-referencing, and then sometimes I even thought I was finding contradictions in the Bible, right? Because I just didn't understand. I'm like, well, this verse doesn't, doesn't this cancel out this verse? And I'm, I was struggling, and I'm growing, and there's all of this excitement. And you know what happened as I continued to study and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to me? All of those contradictions, there was all these different stories that began to come together as one. And suddenly I began to see one narrative. And it all fit together as the Holy Spirit began to reveal himself to me and reveal the truth of who he was. And it was a beautiful thing. What is that? It's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We need him to help us understand what we are even reading. And you might say, well, where do I start with that? Again, you start with the easiest thing. I think we've sometimes lost the art of Ask. Ask. You know, I find even in prayer, a quick side note here, it's so much easier to pray for someone else or to do those kind of prayer things. But I think often people that I talk to, we struggle with, and this is me personally, struggle with asking for what do I need? What do I need? Jesus wants us to ask him. You want to grow in that? Ask him. All right. Anyhow, uh, moving forward here. John, remember this passage, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may live. Don't you love that verse? I know, well, it depends on how you're looking at it, right? You might say, ah, no, I don't like the verse. I, I look at it and I'm like, what an invitation. Look how much you see of the heart of God in, that little, in those two verses, Right? He's saying, you're, you're searching them to try to find eternal life, but, that, but that's not, like, you're failing to realize it's pointing to me. I want to know you. Son, daughter, I want to know you, and I want you to be fully known by me. It's an invitation into an intimate relationship with the creator of all things. The one who sent his son to die for you, whether through the Bible or through prayer or through worship, through creation, my answer to that question, does God still speak today? It's a resounding yes. He had better be speaking today because we still need to understand the scriptures. We're no different than the people back in Bible times. We still need to know what his will is for our lives. We still need to know him. And we're going to spend more time on that in the coming weeks. But I actually want to do a little bit of a practice here uh, today and just, and just practice it together. We can do it 
together in our homes. So if you can pull out your Bible or if you have your phone, you can do it on there too. We're going to read a passage of Scripture and we're going to just practice. What does it look like to just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us? And then to go into the Word, we're going to start here. In later weeks, we're going to focus on prayer and other areas and ways that we can hear God so that we can know Him more. Uh, But for now, let's start with a passage of Scripture. And we're going to go to Psalm 139, 1 to 18. I'm doing it with you. I'm getting my Bible. First thing is, let's pray. Pray and invite the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to you in his word. It can be as simple as this prayer that I'm going to pray now. Holy Spirit, we just want to know you more. Jesus, we want to know you, personally know you, and we want to be fully known by you. So today, we ask as we read your word, would you reveal yourself to us? We ask it in Jesus' name. So go through and just read 1 to 18. And as soon as you're done, you can go to those next few questions. Just jot down what verses stood out, just the number. What impacted you personally and what did you learn about God? Depending on where you are in your walk with Jesus, even an exercise like this is going to be very different from one person to the next. And that's okay. One thing is we are learning to hear God, whether in the word or in prayer, and we will talk more about this in future weeks, as well as we're also wanting to, I want to go through some of the attributes of God, because we need balance, right? As we look at his attributes, who is he? As we get to know him, but uh, one of the things I always try to remind people of is what is our responsibility when it comes to hearing God's voice in different ways? And I always say our responsibility is to be listening. Are you listening, church? Are you open to the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Are you open to him speaking to you in the word? Are you open to him correcting you or leading you or encouraging you? That's the most important thing. Are we open to him? Ultimately, like in any conversation, I can't speak for somebody else. I'm going to have a conversation with my wife. I can ask questions, but ultimately she has to respond. And the weight on speaking is on God. He is God. He is God. And so our job is to wait on him and to give him opportunities and then to trust as he leads us forward. Some of you, if you're you're not quite done, you can can finish up. We're going to sing the last song together for those that are done. Let's worship the Lord and thank him for everything that he has done to us. And let's thank him that he speaks to us today. Thanks again for joining us for our weekend message. If you have any needs or prayer requests, please give us a call at 204-326-9020 or email prayer at myselfland.com. Once again, our phone number is 204-326-9020 and the email address is prayer at myselfland.com.